The Boulderista is a podcast that celebrates the Boulder, Colorado lifestyle by highlighting local influencers and the inspiring impact they have on our community and celebrating the local traditions that make this the happiest place to live in the U.S. I am your host, Sherry Figueroa, and I invite you to explore what makes Boulder, Boulder. Boulder local Aaron William Perry is a writer, public speaker, impact entrepreneur, artist, and father. He has consulted dozens of innovative organizations and entrepreneurs, and throughout his career has launched companies in the recycling, renewable energy, and local and organic food sectors. In his book, Why on Earth? Get Smarter, Feel Better, Heal the Planet, Aaron shares simple, life-changing practices to enhance health and well-being and empowers people with the global strategies needed for ecological regeneration and stewardship. The Why on Earth community further spreads this message by engaging and inspiring people at the local level through events, symposia, and a robust digital platform. On his Why on Earth podcast, Perry interviews community leaders, authors, and educators from diverse backgrounds on the topics of stewardship and sustainability. He is in the studio with me today to continue this important conversation. I am honored to welcome Aaron Perry. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Sherry. It's really nice to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. I I am very excited to begin this important conversation that is one that you've been having for many, many years here. Um, And in getting to know you for this interview, it's become apparent to me how your upbringing and your heritage has influenced your life's work. So let's start there. Where do you come from and how has that informed the work that you do? Yeah, you know, I I really love this question. Uh, where do I come from? And indeed, uh, where do we come from, right? I think it's a question we can each explore in our own way. And uh, I sort of um, did that exploring at the outset of the book, Why on Earth, that I wrote a few years ago. And, you know, on one level, I can say that, you know, I was born in Seattle and spent my early years in the Pacific Northwest and then bounced around the country a bit as a kid before landing in suburban Denver at the age of 10, uh, and then, you know, going through high school down that way um, at Regis High School, a Jesuit school here in the region. Uh, During those days, my pals and I started coming to Boulder County and specifically up to the Indian Peaks Wilderness area um, to get away and to get into the woods, as it were. So uh, I've been in this Denver-Boulder area for, gosh, uh, 30-plus years now, But uh, the answer to the question where I come from also causes me to recall and think about and really celebrate and give thanks uh, for my ancestors who come from several different parts of the world. I've got Celtic and Slovenian, uh, German uh, heritage, as well as uh, Mohawk uh, Native American heritage, which is from the upstate New York region where my parents grew up. So, uh, yeah, I guess in a sense that's where I come from. I, in shorthand, say I come from Earth and uh, reside in the Boulder area for the time being. (laughs) How have some of those experiences growing up kind of shaped um, the work that you do now? So you spoke a little bit about um, your grandparents and how they influenced your learning about this connection we have to the earth and plants and animals. 
Can you expand on that? Yeah, definitely. My my grandparents have have had a, a, a profound influence on me. Um, and on my father's side, uh, my grandmother uh, was uh, the Mohawk lineage, and uh, she was half. Her her mother was full blooded Mohawk, and there was this great sense of love, even though those people, you know, had gone through so much as so many indigenous people have and are around the world, uh, that it was astounding. She nevertheless uh, possessed and, and radiated this tremendous love. And my grandfather had this amazing work ethic. I remember being outside in sub-zero weather with him and my dad when I was a youngster, pounding nails, fixing a deck, whatever it might be. And he never was uh, complaining or uh, wanting to get inside. He was happy to do whatever work needed to be done at the time. And then on my mother's side, my grandma, Pep, uh, are, most of my memories with her are in the kitchen with all the wonderful aromas and learning some of the uh, cooking skills that I was exposed to as a youngster. And she, you know, she did a lot of the uh, old world recipes from Slovenia. And she was uh, my Slovenian uh, branch in terms of heritage. And then my grandfather, Bear, we call him, uh, her husband, was uh, German uh, in heritage, but fought against uh, the Nazis in World War II and was a prisoner of war, nearly died while in prison camp, but survived. And after the war, uh, gardened and walked and read uh, so much. And it struck me, for, I think probably when I was about a teenager, that uh, it's like, golly, these seem to be the three keys, or at least three of the keys to living a good life, uh, reading a lot, gardening a lot, and walking a lot. And, and indeed, he lived uh, a long, beautiful life with a, a really sharp mind right up until he was 99 and a half years when he passed uh, to the next world. So that background with my grandparents, um, you know, definitely provided me, a, I would say, a grounding in some of the ethics and values and virtues, you might even say, uh, that we could uh, easily suggest have been a bit jumbled up or even lost in our modern Western culture. And it was uh, that generation, that great generation that survived growing up during the Great Depression and the, and the World Wars, uh, I think that still had their feet firmly planted in some of the, the challenges and, and struggles that humanity has experienced over many, many, many generations, and therefore also seem to exhibit a lot of the deep gratitude at, at something seemingly simple like a delicious homemade meal. You know, and I always remember my grandpa sitting down, uh, really having a sense of gratitude for a beautiful meal that he got to enjoy. So, you know, that, that was some of the foundation, I would say, that also informs a lot of the, the work that I'm doing now in the sustainability, stewardship, regeneration, health and wellness movements. And I love, I love giving shout outs to my, to my grandparents for all of that uh, that they gave to me. So you're carrying on this tradition with your children, well, grown children now. Um, I love the story about, you know, taking them out into the Indian Peaks wilderness and completing rites of passage. And uh, can you expand on that connection to what is essentially our backyard here in Boulder? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's a really beautiful wilderness area. Of course, um, being designated under the federal regime as a, as a wilderness area, that Indian Peaks region is the most protected, uh, in the most protected status of any of the uh, federal lands uh, in the country. 
And what that means is that we get to enjoy it, but that there are certain uh, restrictions and regulations to keep our our footprint and impact as a community at a lower level than some of our other national forests or BLM lands would allow. And as I mentioned, I've been going up there since I was a teenager. And then after going out to New York City and NYU for a while and moving back to Boulder in the mid-90s, uh, I spent a lot of time and have continued spending a lot of time up in that wilderness area. Uh, when my kids were young, we uh, took them up there and my daughter by the age of three could identify something like 30 different medicinal herbs and plants. And, uh, you know, both children were born at home here in town and uh, working with beautiful midwives and herbalists like Brigitte Mars. Uh, who's been on the on the show on your show? I love that I saw her on there. Um, we learned some of the the old ways that we humans have been practicing since time immemorial. For example, in the mama to ingest some of the placenta after giving birth is one of the ways she can really recharge her nutrients because that's obviously an incredibly demanding process and experience. So, mama had some of the placenta, but then we took the rest, and I buried those in a ceremonial manner up in the wilderness area. And I'll never forget going back a few years later after my daughter, whose name is Osha, after the powerful plant that grows up high in those mountains related to the bear. I went back to that spot and lo and behold, where I had buried that placenta was just teeming full of Osha plant growing. And I thought to myself, okay, well that, that I guess makes some sense. That gives me chills. I, I believe it was Brigitte who um, said on my podcast that, you know, children can identify hundreds of name brands, um, but very few plants. So that, that is a beautiful story about OSHA. So you mentioned NYU and going to the city. Tell me a little bit about that interim. Okay, so you left Colorado and um, went to NYU, and then you came back. Yeah, I did. You know, and I was... <clears throat> I was a really uh, engaged student in high school and, and really appreciated the, the education that I uh, experienced with those Jesuit educators and others working there at Regis. And, uh, you know, did pretty well in school and ended up getting a, a full academic scholarship to NYU as a Gallatin scholar. And it was beautiful. I mean, they, they flew us over to Italy to look at private art collections and get private tours of things like the Sistine Chapel. It was this incredible opportunity. However, living in New York City, living smack dab in the middle of Manhattan, right there in Greenwich Village, really got to me. I mean, it hurt. I could feel it really hurting me. And I think it's the combination of the concrete and the the pollution and the incredible um, stimuli all over the place, visual, sonic, et cetera, energetic, really living. There are certain square blocks in New York City I've heard have 40,000 people in one square block. So I was very sensitive to that. And it was one of the more challenging periods of my life. And I ended up leaving after uh, just about eight months in the city and coming back to Colorado. And that's when I moved to Boulder. And of course, I, you know, eventually uh, went to CU and did a couple degrees there. I have a master's from the University of Colorado. And uh, I love the city. I love New York. It's fun to visit. But I'm also really sensitive to uh, how such intensively dense urban environments can impact our psyches and I would say even our souls. And I'm not sure I knew. I don't think I knew the concept of nature deficit disorder then. 
But what I was experiencing, even in, in the professors and, you know, these folks who are considered to be at the pinnacle of their fields worldwide, I could feel in them this incredible disconnection from the natural world and that that was actually uh, really undermining their thinking and their perception of reality. So, uh, so the, yeah, didn't stay in New York long. Enjoy visiting when I can. Was out there a bunch last year, but uh, it was uh, f- really nice to get back to Boulder after that. And so you're in Boulder. Um, tell me more about how you root into this community um, surrounded, you know, the, in this culture of sustainability. Um, you worked at Wild Oats for a while, which is yeah. when I moved here, there was still a Wild Oats. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, a lot of people may not even know what that is. Um, yeah, there's this funny evolution. You know, Alfalfa was one of the early natural food stores in the area. And then Wild Oats uh, was another and eventually uh, acquired Alfalfa's. And then Whole Foods acquired all that. And then later Alfalfa's got reborn after some 20 years of uh, uh, non-compete with that name. I think it was the amount of time. And so working at Wild Oats, I had started actually down in high school in Denver and I, I remember Brigitte Mars actually would go down to that store. That's the Alfalfas at the time on University in South Denver. And I got to talk with her and talk with her about herbal medicine and start cluing into this. Like, holy smokes, there's so much more going on in our beautiful, abundant earth than a lot of what seems to be known here in these strange suburbs. And uh, so now when I'm back in Boulder as a young adult and, you know, pretty soon became a young father, Working at Wild Oats, I was also working at Turtle Island Herbs, learning how to prepare herbal tinctures and uh, learning a lot more about the different medicines, Echinacea and Molin and many others. And uh, that was a really beautiful way to start rooting into the community here because, of course, going clear back to the 60s and 70s, there are some amazing leaders in natural foods, herbal medicine, uh, holistic health and wellness. Feldenkrais got started here. The Rolfing uh, movement got started here. And folks like Brigitte have been at this a while and not only uh, practicing their, their skills and helping folks cultivate health and wellness in so doing, but also educating hundreds and thousands of younger practitioners who are now all around the world. So it was in that sort of milieu in my early 20s and late teens that I was plugging into this culture. And since then, it's been a real joy with a lot of the entrepreneurs in the community working on health and wellness and renewable energy and sustainability. And, you know, there's music, uh, amazing music uh, in the community. And of course, so many of us are avid uh, outdoor enthusiasts and get out there, whether it's skiing, snowshoeing, cycling, climbing, hiking, backpacking. Uh, I'm not a climber, but I I really like walking in the woods and uh, skiing and snowshoeing in the winter. So uh, yeah, I think one of the really beautiful things about Boulder is that there are a lot of different layers to the community fabric and a lot of ways for folks to engage in in very healthful and, and meaningful lives together. Let's talk about the work that you're doing now and the Why on Earth community. Tell our listeners, what is Why on Earth? Yeah, thanks. I I love the opportunity to uh, be able to speak a bit about what we're doing at the Why on Earth community. And uh, it kind of got rolling. A few friends here in the area um, uh, around 2015, uh, as I was wrapping up this book I wrote called Why on Earth, uh, the subtitle, as you mentioned, Get Smarter, Feel Better, uh, Heal the Planet, 
33 chapters exploring the interconnected relationships between health and wellness uh, strategies on the one hand and uh, global uh, needs and, and requirements and opportunities for stewardship, regeneration, and sustainability. And so with our nonprofit, the Why on Earth community, we've got a network of ambassadors throughout the United States and internationally and are connected to some amazing folks on our global advisory board uh, doing work related to regeneration, related to climate action, soil uh, regeneration in particular, neighborhood resilience, health and wellness, and also culture of kindness, right? I think so many of us are aware right now that we've got such a divisive, toxic energy coursing through our, our society that regardless of our stances or views or knowledge and understanding on certain topics, if we're not approaching these conversations with kindness, we may in fact be counterproductive uh, in, in, in a time when we probably need to be as productive as we can be. And so that kindness emphasis, I think, is one of the ways we can help really spread an energy of, of love and gratitude through all the work that we're doing. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to work with the Weiner's community. We're collaborating with a number of farms and farmers in the region, herbalists, authors, scientists, youth activists, indigenous uh, wisdom keepers. And uh, as you know, we've, you know, we've got a podcast there. We're not trying to uh, take audience or anything, but if oh, folks no, are looking definitely. for more, we can check that <laughs> definitely out. Definitely check too. out the Why on Earth podcast. <laughs> yeah. You're coming up on your 100th episode. Yeah. You're excited about that. Yeah, that's going to be a, a fun milestone. And, and my friend, actually, Maria Cooper, who's been on your show, Love Maria. recently encouraged me to do a special 100th episode where I'm sort of just sharing vision uh, for the community and in our work going forward, as opposed to interviewing somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I thought about it for a few days. I thought, gosh, Maria, that uh, what a beautiful invitation. So I can at least blame it on her. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's a neat opportunity. And, and, you know, folks like Maria and with her amazing cookbook, Heartful Kitchen, she's doing so much with, with food and the healing power of food uh, here in the community and, and now through her work, reaching people well beyond uh, the Boulder community. And uh, there are so many folks like Maria and like Brigitte that are, are doing really remarkable work in these times. It's, it's almost bizarre, right, to be living in a place where so many of us uh, are doing this kind of work. We almost start potentially taking it for granted. Mm -hmm. But uh, hopefully we remember to keep that sense of perspective and gratitude. And the kindness is so important. What are some other basic practices that you can share maybe from your book and, and that yeah. you share in your community that we can do that promote sustainability and stewardship? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually so much that we can be doing right in our sort of day-to-day -day lives without probably adjusting too terribly much. Um, the connection with soil is essential. And we ended up uh, publishing a smaller book called the Soil Stewardship Handbook. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about some special discounts and stuff for your audience as well you. um, to get these. We also have children's books, by the way. So we've got Celebrating Soil and Celebrating Honeybees. We're working on our third called Celebrating Water. And the artist, uh, her, her stuff's amazing. I brought the books to show you guys, too. Um, she is Yvonne Kozlina, and she's my best buddy's mom, and she lives right here in Boulder, too. And uh, her artwork's just fabulous. And the ethnicity of brother and sister changes book to book. So Celebrating Water will be coming out here soon. But, uh, you know, back to the Soil Stewardship Handbook and Celebrating Soil, these books have in their backs after the story 
a number of actions and activities we can do at home, at work, with our children, uh, if we're educators, with our students. And it seems one of the keys is getting connected with soil, gardening, having house plants, uh, at the very least, interacting with our hands physically with healthy organic living soil uh, has this effect. Basically, the microorganisms can get through our skin, uh, this thing the scientists calls called transdermal penetration, and they're affecting our neurobiochemistry. That actually boosts the production of things like serotonin, makes us feel better. So my, when my grandfather was gardening all those years, part of what he was doing was treating his own PTSD, mm-hmm. not with knowing the science behind it, right? Intuitively. Right, intuitively. And I remember as a seven-year-old wanting to throw the football and run around and grandpa's there working strawberries and in the soil. I'm like, grandpa, grandpa, wh- why are you gardening so much? And he looks right at me and he says, because it makes me feel better. Mm. And so, wow, this connection with soil, we humans, right? The word humus and human are etymologically linked along with humor and humility. We humans are designed, created to have this intimate relationship with soil. So not only is that connection help, helpful in our own health and well-being, but it's also with soil and soil regeneration that we get to collaborate with the living biosphere and actually sequester carbon out of the atmosphere, putting it back in the ground where it belongs. And here's the deal with climate and climate uh, change and the climate crisis that we're facing, we have loaded the atmosphere with so much carbon by burning fossil energy, fossil fuels, coal, natural gas, oil, that we've taken the concentration of carbon dioxide from 280 parts per million to over 410, 415 parts per million. We've done that since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, which is only something like five to 10 generations. And that's scary. We've loaded over a 40% increase in carbon in the atmosphere. And it's the carbon that keeps the atmosphere warm, which is a good thing. We have a beautiful climate on this planet because of carbon. But when there's too much, we're basically trapping too much heat and energy, getting much greater storm events, melting uh, ice all over the place. And that has all kinds of ramifications. But here's the good news. We get to collaborate with nature and get carbon back in the soil through regenerative practices. And literally, uh, we can increase soil carbon by 10% worldwide through things like gardening and larger scale restoration projects. And that 10% increase worldwide is equivalent to sequestering all the fossil carbon we've released since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. So in our generation, we literally get to help and get to watch uh, the stabilization of our climate. That's such a message of hope when it feels like there's so much messaging on the opposite. Yeah, That really does, me personally, give me a lot of hope. Yeah, there's a lot to be hopeful about. And and it's cool because there are networks all around the planet doing this in communities all over and already here in Boulder in a collaboration with EcoCycle and the city of Boulder through leaders like Brett Concaren, who's the senior climate advisor in the city of Boulder. uh, We've begun a citizen soil movement where we've got over 400 families participating in uh, backyard gardening activities with various soil inputs and amendments. And they're actually taking samples year after year to see the changes in soil carbon content and uh, seeing the equivalent in carbon sequestration impact, basically. 
And that's the kind of thing in a community like Boulder that we can all be doing a whole lot more of. So that, that's just one set of examples in terms of recommendations, the soil-related examples. There's a lot we can do with water. We, there's a lot we can do with plants. Just having a, an abundance of plants in our indoor space is going to detoxify the air that we're breathing and do all kinds of other things to benefit our health and wellness. And of course, getting out in the wilderness uh, has amazing benefits. One of the things in my research I discovered that blew me away is that trees are actually giving off pheromones that are affecting our neurobiochemistry. So that walk in the woods, it's not just the walking, it's not just the breathing of the fresh air. There's something going on with the biochemistry inside of us when we do that. So grandpa was also taking walks to feel good as well. Yes, he sure was. Mm -hmm. And it emphasizes the importance on education and educating our youth on these practices because they are to inherit this earth. Yeah. And so I love this idea of yeah. the of the children's books. Yeah, it is so fun. You know, we, we do a lot of work also with biodynamic soil preparations and land medicine. In fact, that was the amendment that the Wine Earth community provided for this uh, City of Boulder project with EcoCycle. And we were invited about a year ago to do a special ceremony at the Waldorf School, Shining Mountain Waldorf School up in North Boulder. And I'll tell you what, to get dozens of youngsters and their parents and teachers together to do this beautiful uh, ceremony with the microorganisms in the soil and the water and, to, and, and do a little uh, meditating and praying on bringing uh, good energy and gratitude toward all these beings, the squirrels, the birds, the deer, etc., that live in these landscapes with us uh, is powerful. And those kids are getting to learn something that, you know, most textbooks aren't going to teach them these days. And that, that deeper connection and that heart-centered sense of responsibility in our world, I think, is at the core of, of really what's needed. And we have opportunities. There's a lot of this going on in a community like Boulder uh, to help uh, inculcate that more deeply with the young folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you live in a really special place. Uh, it's special to me because um, we love Nick and Marissa and Elk yeah. Run. Um, it's also, they also do a lot um, in terms of biodynamic farming um, and educating children yeah. on these practices. Tell me about living on Elk Run Farm. Yeah, it's it's a real joy. Um, I, I know that your audience can't see how big I'm smiling right now, but <laughs> um, I moved to Elk Run Farm this summer after... Uh, several conversations with Nick and Marissa and getting to know some of the uh, interns and community living there. And it is such a joy uh, to be located there at this time to write. And by the way, I'm working on this epic novel that I'm wrapping up this winter. and I'm so excited uh, for it to be shared uh, later this year called Otto. That's the working title we can share publicly. There's a secret one we can't share yet, but um, is that O-T-T-O? O-T-T-O. Okay. Yeah. And from an uh, esoteric symbolic point of view, if you picture an O with a dot in the middle, that's the alchemical symbol for the sun. And then a T-T, uh, like that could be thought of as pi, the symbol for that important ratio, and then another circle. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff woven in there, along with a lot of the biodynamics and permaculture. And it's this epic novel with this main uh, heroine character who she goes through this uh, journey of discovery and awakening. And uh, a lot of the scenes are set in Boulder. So it's going to be a lot of fun for our community to recognize some places and even some people like Maria, who's, who's actually in the story, 
Um, anyway, living at Elk Run is wonderful. And, and Nick and Marissa, uh, through their new nonprofit called Drylands Agroecology Research, are doing amazing regenerative work, not only on those acres at Elk Run Farm, but also on a number of other properties and are working on potential open space projects, doing permaculture, doing agroforestry, doing uh, soil regeneration work. And their education programming, having the children come out there, uh, is really helping to plant the seeds, not only for the future generations, but it's a great way for the current parents and grandparents to get a little more up to speed on what's happening and what's possible. And I'm really grateful to be out there and a part of that community. And uh, why on earth and Drylands Agroecology Research and Elk Run are uh, planning now some collaborations that we'll be rolling out uh, in 2021. So I'm excited about that and I hope folks will uh, tune into what we're up to with that. And I'm really excited to help spread that message as well. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So U.S. News and World Report named Boulder the best place to live in America. And Nat Geo some years back also rated it the happiest place in America. So why is this true for you coming full circle? Why is Boulder your home? Yeah, yeah. Um, Boy, there's so much we could we could uh, talk about there. I think that, you know, boiling it down to a few key points, you know, first of all, we've got this exquisite natural landscape and, and relatively easy access to it. So I think a lot of us take advantage of the outdoor um, exercise and, and activity opportunities that we have. We also have a plethora of amazing chefs and restaurateurs and grocers who are bringing very healthy food to the community. It's one of the epicenters of the natural and organic foods movement worldwide. Many brands get launched here in the Boulder community. And so I think that deep commitment is a big part of our the health and wellness and why it's such a great place to be. And you know, I think that although there are certainly challenges in this community like we would find in any other, there is a spirit of kindness and a spirit of growth and exploration and that you know there are a lot of us running around here who know quite a bit a lot of things but none of us knows everything and and there's that sense that there's a lot of smart folks around here and a lot of folks to learn from and i think that helps in the cultural dynamic as well i think that you know many of the people i've known living here for the decades i've been here are also very family oriented and that uh, it seems to be a wonderful place to raise kids. And I mentioned my daughter, Osha, my son, Hunter. Uh, Osha, by the way, is 23 right now. And my son, Hunter, is 18. And both were born in Boulder and raised in Boulder. And he's now studying architecture at the University of Colorado here in town. And watching them grow up in this community with the support and the relationships with other parents and teachers, it, it really is uh, the kind of social fabric that uh, we you know, ought to be grateful for and ought to do as much as we can to help uh, spread to other communities. And it's clear to me in the traveling I do through Why on Earth to communities all around the country that there, there are a lot of regions where we don't have that same sense of health and wellness and natural healthy food and uh, supportive, kind, loving, caring uh, milieus. And so uh, hopefully those of us who recognize it and can feel the gratitude for that, can also work to help spread that into other places as well. 
Which is, you know, why I do this podcast, yeah. I think. It's often when we travel and come back that that perspective is given. So I really appreciate that as well. Yeah. So let's plug Why on Earth. Tell our listeners where they can find more about you. Absolutely. So whyonearth.org. It's the letter Y. So it's Y-O-N-E-A-R-T-H dot O-R-G. Uh, one of the things we're doing through Why on Earth is... Uh, incubating and uh, supporting social enterprises. Uh, these are nonprofits and for-profits doing environmental and social work. And one of our experiments that's a lot of fun is called Waylay Waters, waylaywaters.com, W-E-L-E waters.com. And this is CBD hemp-infused aromatherapy soaking salts and massage oils and salves using hemp grown uh, on Colorado biodynamic farms like sustainable settings up in the Carbondale area. And uh, we're going to be sourcing from Elk Run as well this coming year. And uh, so this brings great health and, and relief to folks. And we're, we're doing a lot of other kind of collaborating like that through the Why on Earth community. You can find uh, a variety of resources at whyonearth.org. Uh, you can, uh, if you'd like to become an ambassador, you can uh, engage in that journey there. You can find our podcast episodes there. You can find a variety of video resources related to soil activation and stewardship. And of course, uh, these books um, are also available there. And uh, all of them are print and ebook. And then Why on Earth is also available as an audiobook. And as a special offer to our listeners, you can get 20% off books, soil products, mobilization kits using the code BOLDERISTA, as well as a 20% discount on all Welle Waters products as well, found at wellewaters.com. Thank you so much for that generous offer. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Sherry. I hope everyone uh, enjoys those things and uh, um, will find some joy uh, in experiencing them, engaging them, reading them, and uh, checking out the products. It's, for me, a lot of joy creating them. Thank you, Aaron, for joining me on the Boulderista podcast today. The work that you do is so important for the planet and the future generations who are to inherit this land. Stewardship and sustainability is the path forward towards hope for humanity. So thank you so much for your efforts. Thank you, Sherry. Really appreciate this opportunity to visit with you. Thank you for listening to the Boulderisa podcast, produced by Eric and Sherry Figueroa and recorded at Soundspace Studio in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Gratitude to our generous listeners that help us sustain the show by sharing, subscribing, and donating. Please consider supporting us by making a small monthly donation on our Anchor page. We'd love to hear from you guys. So hit us up on social at The Boulderista. Until next episode, stay happy, Boulder.